testimonials work portfolio, which I think there's always a temptation for people to put all of their testimonials on one page, but it's probably pretty unlikely that someone's going to go to your testimonials page and read through 20 testimonials, unless they like are really considering marketing with you. Same with maybe viewing your work. They might view a little bit if they're super curious, but we have found that people have more success in displaying their whole business, the business as a whole, when they mix everything up throughout the site. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Welcome to the Brands at Book Show, where we help creative service-based businesses build their brands and find more clients. I'm your host, Davy Jones. In this episode, Chris and I discuss the purpose of every page on a website. All right, well, not every page, but we discuss many pages that one would likely find on a website. In previous episodes, we've done deep dives into various pages. Today, we're taking a high-level view of a website and discussing how looking at your website as a funnel can help you understand each page's purpose and place in the customer journey. Be sure to check out the show notes at DaveyandKrista.com for the resources we mentioned during the episode, and we want to hear from you. Let us know what kind of content you'd like to see on the Brandsack Book Podcast as we move forward. To leave your feedback, just send us a DM on Instagram, at Davey and Krista. Now, on to the episode. All right, we are back. Already sniffling over there. Hey, I can't <laughs> help it. Another episode of the Brandsack Book Podcast with Krista. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Appreciate you made the trip all the way from the guest room. <laughs> that's two stuff. That's two flights of stairs. That's right. Well, I appreciate it. Second episode we've recorded together while you've been pregnant. Mm -hmm. Not feeling great today. I'm just like stuffy, and I don't know if it's like allergies or if it's like you know your nose gets stuffy when you get pregnant. I'm a little out of breath. I, I don't know that. I'm only like 15 weeks. So I feel like it's way too early to have that like, I'm so big, I can't breathe <laughs> kind of thing going on. I don't Either know. Either way, I appreciate I appreciate you taking the time to record. Thank I'm you. I'm excited for today's topic. Yes. Digging into some website stuff. First, I want to ask you, what's your least favorite month of the year? Are you asking me this because you want to complain? Yes. I like yeah. Okay. So I appreciate it. I'm just going to cut to complaining then uh -huh. uh, because well, you called I me. Can I answer? Yeah, go ahead. Probably February because it's like there's nothing going on. It's freezing cold. This year it was snow the entire month. February so, yeah. is February is an awful month, but it's you know it's going to be cold. Yeah. So you just kind of wrap your head around like you go into it just knowing it's going to be cold. It's going to be miserable. What is there to dislike about April? It Let is me tell you, 80 degrees and beautiful today. The today, flowers are in bloom. It's today, sunny out. It, okay. 
Today it is 80 degrees, mm-hmm. but Saturday it was 55. That was the high. Oh, it's like a tundra. So cold. It, it might as well be freezing. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. And that's the thing about April is March, you roll into March and you're like any, you get a couple warm days in March, but you're just grateful because you're like, this is a gift, mm-hmm. right? These warm days are a gift. By the time March is over though, you're like, it needs to be warm. And April is all about like, hey, I'm going to give you a couple 75 uh, and sunny days, and then we're going to turn the temperature down to 55. A frigid 55. I do not like anything below 65. Uh, you were ridiculous. You were such a baby. That's why they make coats and Under Armour cold gear and I, know. I just I sometimes ask myself, we could have moved really anywhere, mm-hmm. right? And we decided to move to Virginia. Maybe we should move to Florida. Although yeah. I think you'll find a reason to complain in July no, when it's over 100 no, and I humid. Love, you know I love some humidity. Oh my one gosh. Of those. Well, you're the only one. My hair <laughs> is curly and it does not love the humidity. Anyways, just kidding. Lots of things to be excited about here in Virginia. We're going to pick up some pork from the processor, send a first round of pigs to processing. Some of those pigs were named and I'm really no. trying not to. <laughs> <laughs> they were only named by Krista. That's not true. The kids name them too. I'm true. really trying not to think about the fact that we're eating we named. Well, I'm very excited for bacon, so you can't take that away from me. Excited about that. Excited about what's going on over at Big Spring Cattle too. So that's exciting stuff uh, launching soon. What else? SEO course show mm-hmm. at SEO course that's launching relatively soon. So if you're if you have a show at website, you're thinking about a show at website, interested in search engine optimization, be sure to stay tuned for that. And you know what? If you send me an email, maybe I'll just give you a, I'll give you a special early access price. Wow. Chris is looking at me like, we did not plan this. <laughs> what like, are you doing? I'm like, how are this you This is not on the outline. Like, are you setting up a link for this? Am I doing this? <laughs> <laughs> so we'll just, we'll just, just send us an email, support at com. Tell us that you heard about it on the podcast. Okay. And we'll hook you up. I don't even know what the special is going to be. Renee is going to be really confused. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, moving on, we are talking about websites today. We're talking about the purpose of every page on a website. We have other episodes where we have dug deep into a specific page, you know, so for instance, one of the about page ones come to mind. We've done one on the service page, services Mm -hmm. page and sales page before, but we really haven't taken a bird's eye view of a website and just talk through each page of a website and just kind of how we approach website structure in general. Mm -hmm. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I think that our approach is often a little bit different than most people think of when they think of outlining their website. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, it's top of mind right now because of some of the stuff that I'm going through uh, or have uh, recently been creating for the show at SEO course. Right. Just in, again, our approach to website structure, you know, how we set it up well for not only search engines, but for users as well. And I think that when people, especially if you haven't launched a website before, or that's just not your specialty, right? I mean, it's kind of like when we worked with our architects, we just didn't know what we didn't know. And so he would bring stuff up and we'd be like, oh, we would never have thought about that. Like door swings and like yeah, I mean, all just, the things, exactly. <laughs> random things. And so it's not like... So it's just, you know, interesting when you work with somebody who's, that's what they do. That's their specialty, right? right? They just bring up things, the little things that you just maybe wouldn't have thought about. Right. So anyways, what we're going to do is we're going to go through each page of the website. We're just going to talk about its purpose, how we approach it uh, in general. And there are all sorts of different ways to set up a website. So just because we don't name a page that maybe you have or want to have on your website doesn't necessarily mean that adding that page would be wrong. We're not going to talk about every possible page you could have on your website, but just the pages that we typically find. 
Sounds good. Yeah. So one of the ways that I find it helpful to think about your website and your approach to your website is thinking about your website itself as a funnel. Okay. And we've talked about funnels on the podcast before, but if you're not aware of, you know, a marketing or a sales funnel, typically at the top of a funnel, so think of a funnel, at the top of the funnel, the widest part of the funnel, that's the awareness phase. All right. So in that stage of the funnel, you are making people aware that your product, service, content exists. Mm-hmm. All right. And the idea is to move them down the funnel. And of course, at the very bottom of the funnel is hopefully making a sale or booking a client or, you know, whatever it might be. Right. Right. So you have the top of the funnel. That's typically awareness. The middle of the funnel for people, typically consideration. All right. It gets a little bit narrower. People sort of, you know, people fall out along the way. Not always a bad thing because our products and our services aren't for for everyone. Right. And then we move them to the bottom of the, of the funnel. And that's the intent portion of the funnel. They are ready to buy from someone. Hopefully you. <laughs> Sounds okay? good. So anyways, it's helpful, I think, to put each of the pages of your website within one of those segments of the funnel. Okay. To really understand, you know, what, where is the customer at? Where is the potential client at in the customer journey? Mm-hmm. All right. And I think that's going to help people think through like, oh, what, what sort of content should I include on that page? Mm-hmm. What sort of links should I include on that page? So what's the call to action after somebody hits that page? Right. Where, where do I want to send them? So I think that that might be a helpful for illustration for people. Uh, typically how I outline stuff is, you know, if I were to put pages in a funnel, it would be in the top of the funnel. There would be the homepage mm-hmm. and blog slash blog posts, any sort of content. So maybe you have a vlog. All right. That's the sort of thing that go in the top of the funnel. Stuff that brings people in. Exactly. And then in the middle of the funnel, you'd have maybe services pages. All right. People who are definitely interested in a service and maybe they're comparing you to other service providers Mm -hmm. uh, or cornerstone pages. We're not going to talk a lot about cornerstone pages in this podcast episode. But in general, what I'd consider a cornerstone page would be, you know, a page that targets a specific search. Mm-hmm. All right. It, it would be similar to a service page, but it would be more specific. So for instance, like when we shot weddings, we primarily worked in Annapolis, mm-hmm. but Baltimore being a little bit north of us, DC being a little bit south of us, we could create cornerstone content around Baltimore and DC weddings. All right. right. So a page for each to target those searches. Anyways, stuff that we get into in the show at SEO course, and then the bottom of the funnel. And what what sorts of things would you think would go on the bottom of the funnel? The contact page, sales pages, like specific product pages. Exactly. So wherever you're pushing people to to actually make that kind of end conversion. Right. All right. So that's typically how I'm thinking about a website if I were to think about it in terms of a funnel. I think that's really helpful too because I think sometimes the temptation would be if on your homepage to add a bunch of contact buttons or a bunch of buy buttons because you think, well, that's what I want people to do. But most people, when they first get on your homepage, they're not ready to buy. They want to learn more about you and your services before they're hit with all those buy buttons. Exactly. And so, and I think something else I see about, you know, different pages, like a services page, for instance, we, we, if we think about the services page as, you know, somebody who's in that consideration phase and they're mm-hmm. actually thinking about your services, I see services pages that have maybe links to random blog posts. Right. And it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Especially if you have really popular blog posts, but it's sort of backwards, right? Like you could take the content in those blog posts and maybe 
put them in some sort of gallery or portfolio page or something along those lines that keeps people on the services page mm -hmm. instead of sending them almost backwards to a what's like a blog post is typically going to be a lower converting page. And it's right? not going to have like a buy now, contact us now inquire now kind of button typically. Exactly. Whereas a services page, more likely that you have maybe a contact form at the bottom of the services page. And and what you'd probably want to see after somebody hits your services page is for them to land on the contact page and mm -hmm. actually make the inquiry or, you know, make the sale or whatever it might be. Right. Right. So anyways, those are, I think that's one of the reasons why it's helpful to think through the website as a funnel for that. All right. So let's dive into each page and just talk about its purpose a little bit. We'll start with the homepage here. One thing, one element that goes on every page, especially when we're designing a website, what do you think it is? Testimonials, work, portfolio, which I think there's always a temptation for people to put all of their testimonials on one page, but it's probably pretty unlikely that someone's going to go to your testimonials page and read through 20 testimonials, unless they like are really considering working with you. Same with maybe viewing your work. They might view a little bit if they're super curious, but we have found that people have more success in displaying their whole biz the business as a whole when they mix everything up throughout the site. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, we're big advocates that social proof should go on every single page of your website, basically, right? right? Some and, and it doesn't have to be the same kind of social proof. So social proof is made up of uh, a number of different things, as you just mentioned. So being kind words and tes uh, testimonials, it could be case studies, it could be, you know, uh, badges from different places that you've been featured. So there's all different sorts of social proof that you can work in your website. But I think, as you said, you know, when I see a testimonials page, it's like, well, I mean, of course, like, of course, they're going to put all their best stuff there. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. it's just going to be a series of testimonials. And it's not that people wouldn't visit that. Mm -hmm. But I do think it makes for a more powerful website when you use testimonials in strategic places to back up the different claims that you make right. throughout your website. So anyways, that's something that goes on every single page. So we will talk about maybe why, where or when a portfolio page or a testimonial page might make sense here in a minute. But let's dive into the homepage. So sounds good. Good place to start. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> so when you when we design a homepage, we're really designing it for somebody who is not familiar with your business, mm -hmm. right? You know, I'm thinking about businesses that I'm familiar with, businesses that I use. So ConvertKit, for instance, like when I go to the ConvertKit homepage, it's you really to get into login, yeah. you know, because I, I've already signed up. I'm already, you know, I'm already familiar with, with ConvertKit, right? And so really, what convert who ConvertKit needs to design their their homepage for is for somebody who needs to get to know them, right? right? And if you go to their website, and at least the the last version of I uh, that I saw, it would be there's two calls to action. One is to sign up for a free account, mm -hmm. and then one is to learn how it works. Right. Yeah, which makes so a lot of sense. If you're a photographer, it should be pretty clear right when somebody visits your website that you're a photographer and where you shoot, because those are the probably the two biggest questions somebody's going to have when they visit your site. Absolutely. I mean, especially if you're a service-based business, and I can't tell you how many service-based business websites that I've seen where it's taking me a while to figure out where somebody is located. I've seen some where they don't say it at all because they think that'll get people to book them for traveling. But I think it does them a disservice when no one knows where they are, where they serve. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when, you know, most services are going to get the majority of their work from local, local mm -hmm. you know, local business. So and it's also better for search engines if you say where you're located. Yeah, absolutely. So you kind of lose out on maybe that search engine optimization value by not uh, including some locational information. But I think that the, the test of a homepage, right, is could someone visit only your homepage and then figure out or have a clear understanding of what you do 
and get it at least a sense of who you do that for, who you serve. Right. You know, and like I said, when we design a homepage, we're really th- we're really thinking of somebody who is not familiar with us in our business. And that's really how we're going to go about figuring out what sort of content that we would include on our homepage. Right. So on your homepage, you know, I think it's totally fine. I think about the homepage as sort of a top of funnel page. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's, you know, designing it in mind for somebody who's not quite familiar with us. So, you know, I might link off to a lead gen piece, you know, something where people can put their email address in and get some sort of freebie from me just to continue bringing them down or continue to nurture them, you know, down the funnel. And then, you know, linking to blog posts, I think is a, is a fine thing to do on something like the homepage because right. it might get them to some of your most uh, valuable yeah, or popular content. Yeah. And I think linking to your about page and having a photo of yourself on your homepage is important or a photo of your team or like if you're a wedding venue, something that represents your business, just so that people get to know who you are and they can see that there's a face behind the business. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that the links that you have on your homepage, it's okay, you know, even a link to something like a blog post, you know, your about mm-hmm. page, things like that, uh, really get people um, acquainted with what it is that you do and who you do it for, maybe some of your core offerings uh, or your best content. Right. Yeah. Cool. So should we go on to the about page? That sounds good. All right, the about page. Now, the about page, I think, is just a... One of the most confusing pages out there, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And we talked about this. We have another episode where we dive deep into about pages. Right. I think me and you recorded that together. And then I think you and Jess have done one too, maybe? Yeah, uh, especially from like a copy perspective. Mm -hmm. So check that one out for sure. But the about page, I think it's, you know, I call it the social proof page. You know, like, why do you think people visit the about page it's probably not to learn that davy likes running and hoagies and sweatpants and all the other things that are just very davy-esque i do like (laughs) all of those things you know but yeah it's probably not to learn those things it's probably just to get a sense of whether you're legit or not now don't get me wrong it's not that you shouldn't include personal details there so the fact that i i run might i don't know somebody who's considering working with us might identify with that Mm -hmm. right but it's all about, you know, if you're going to include that information, like how are you tying that into your brand? Does right. it build up your brand? Forget how Jess put it. She put it uh, really nicely, I think, especially in terms of thinking about the copy. Like, does it help them? Does Like, if you include something, does it help them picture you, you com- doing what you do or yeah. something like that? Like her, for her, she includes coffee on her homepage or on right. her about page or something like that. Which and, like, makes people could- sense. But like, if I share my Starbucks order, it's probably not going to help people book me. I don't actually, we never go to Starbucks. There yeah. aren't any around here. <laughs> I have a few Starbucks gift cards in my inbox because I don't know where to use them. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think the about page has to be particularly complicated, right. right? Or even particularly long. You know, I think that really, especially if you feel like I'm not a great writer or, you know, maybe you feel like you're not that interesting or something like that, which I'm sure you are, right? right? Everybody is. You know, I think that just making sure that you convey that you are good at what you do. You know, I think telling a story that conveys why it is that you love what you do. Again, testimonials, any sort of badges, places that you've been and featured. And you can get testimonials from your peers too. Like if yep. you're in the wedding industry and you're a, a planner, ask photographers and florists and venues to give you a testimonial yeah. and include those. Like those are a good way to build up more different kinds of social proof. Yeah. And something else that we mentioned about about pages as well, you know, I think it's like a, to a certain extent, a box that you have to check for some businesses, especially e-commerce businesses. And I know that this podcast is more geared towards service-based businesses, but you'll notice that the about page often isn't even in the top level navigation, right? right? It's I'm like, designing a shop right now and the about page is super simple and it's not going to be linked in the main navigation because 
if you're buying jewelry from someone, you don't really probably care who they are or <laughs> their yeah. story. Well, I don't, yeah. And I don't even know if it's that necessarily right, but there is, you know, there is obviously a difference between, and I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast are solopreneurs, you right. know, or small teams, or even if they're not a solopreneur, they maybe are the face behind their business. They're fulfilling the the client service, uh, the, you know, the orders or their, their bookings or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit more important that in your wedding day, for instance, and I know we use that as an example a lot, yeah, we work a lot of wedding industry. You like the person that you're working with. For eight hours on one of the most important days of your life. Right. You know? Or if you're hiring a web designer or a copywriter. Yeah. Whereas I just ordered a, a promptly journal for our new baby and I don't need to, like, it was like a quick one-time transaction and I don't need to know really that much about the company. Yeah. So. And one thing we'll link to as well is my talk at Show It, not this past year because 2020, <laughs> uh, it was 2019, I guess. And I think a good job of summarizing the about page there as well and mm -hmm. just really getting into, make sure you're speaking to a specific audience, but then also checking that box like, hey, you know, I'm good at what I do. Right. So, all right. What's next? The services pages. All right. The services pages. And we and recently recorded something on services pages, didn't we? Um, we've recorded so many. If not, <laughs> we will. <laughs> I, I feel like we should point out that we're not talking about like a list, a page that lists all of your services. Yeah, that's a good point. Like for us, we'd have maybe a website design page, a branding design page. We Ooh. actually have those pages. <laughs> so it's not hypothetical. Yeah. So when, when we say services pages, we're insert your service here. If you're right? a photographer who shoots weddings and portraits, you probably have a wedding page, page and a portrait page. page. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think there's a lot of reasons why you might do that. One is from a search engine optimiza optimization standpoint, right? right? You know, if you're trying to, if you're a wedding photographer and also a family photographer and you're trying to optimize a single page for both of those searches, you're probably going to be less successful than if you have, you know, single pages. Especially if it's for, named services. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So having pages for each of your services makes a lot of sense to us. And then that way you can really convey things like what? Social proof. Social proof. We talk about that a lot. Your expertise, <laughs> experience. The process. Exactly. You know, and really convey the value of what you offer right? Mm -hmm. And really think about what you offer, not so much in terms of like a product, right? But an offer. And so the offer is sort of like, you know, the package. It's the collective experience that you are providing somebody in your service, you right. know? And I think when you think about your, whatever it is that you do like that, it's easier to articulate the value, you know, of your service. So instead of family portraits where somebody gets 50 images, they get memories that are going to last a lifetime. Yeah, exactly. That also sells much better than 50 portraits or digital yeah, proofs or whatever at the end it is. Of the day, people don't care exactly how many images they get. No. I mean, they probably want to get a sense that they're going to get a good amount of images or mm -hmm. whatnot, but they don't really care. It's again, you know, 51 images and you're, you know, it's going to be shot on this camera with this lens or, you know, something like that. But if right? you get them imagining their walls filled up with beautiful photos of happy moments that make them forget the days that their toddler has temper tantrums. And then it's followed by social proof that says, I look at my photos every day. They're beautiful. You captured us on a bad day and they're still amazing. Like then somebody's going to book you. Yeah. People yeah. aren't going to book you because they get certain deliverables. Probably. Yeah. Well, I think it's just that I think it's just important to highlight benefits over features. Right. Something else that we, we, we talk a lot about. And when you think about your services page, again, I think about it in the middle of the funnel there. So where are you sending people off to? And in the example I used earlier, you know, you probably don't want to send them off to like your blog a random post. blog post, you know, or something like that. And if you have blog content that's really popular, that does fit well, mm -hmm. maybe you 
include that on the page or you include that or you create a page out of it that maybe is meant to be a little bit more high converting mm-hmm. than something like a blog post so that they're not going maybe backwards in that customer journey. All right. Whereas in the home page and the about page, like the about page, it might make sense to send people some of your most popular content. Right. right? Or sometimes page. we link to like personal or like helpful articles on an about page. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, you know, like it makes sense maybe to highlight your Instagram, Mm -hmm. you know, especially if that's an area where people really connect with you and, and, you know, people seem to really resonate with, you know, what you share on, you know, that given social platform. Right. So anyways, I think that's something to keep in mind when it comes to services. You likely don't need to share your pricing. Right. I think it depends a little bit on what you're doing and your goals. You know, if you're getting a lot of inquiries that are maybe below your budget and you want to include something like a starting price or the average client spends or something like that. and I would that say that sense. this might be like only if you're getting like dozens of inquiries. Like sure. we have always preferred to have more and then we funnel people with qu- specific questions once they inquire to find out if they're a good fit. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I think it depending on what your business setup is too. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have associates, right, and you have both higher price points and lower price points, you want maybe all the inquiries because you can funnel maybe lower price points to associate photographers right. or, you know, something like that. So I would say you don't even have to share your pricing because you don't have to make the sale on your services pages. Right. And I think that's the key distinction, right, between the services page and the next page we'll talk about, which is a sales page. You don't have to make the sale right then. You right. just have to get them to do what? Start a conversation. Exactly. You just have to get them to inquire. Because we've always found too that if somebody really likes you as a person, their budget may not be as hard as they originally thought it was. Yeah, absolutely. So the next page that we want to talk about is the sales page. We'll be quick for that because again, we we do a lot of service-based content. Yeah. And what I will say about the sales page is that you do have to include more information because you have to overcome all the objections that somebody might have on that page. Ideally, you don't have to get involved. Right. You probably, with most sales pages, I think you're not going to have a conversation with them where you answer all of their questions. Whereas if somebody's booking you for a service, you're probably going to meet with them. Yeah, exactly. Especially if it's a service that costs maybe thousands of dollars. Right. right? There's probably some sort of conversation in between. Whereas a sales page, a high ticket offer might involve a phone call. It can be helpful to have some sort of live chat. You know, We use Crisp, which mm-hmm. we've used for a long time now. And I think it's been really good for us. Yeah, it's been um, great. Yeah, we've really enjoyed that or appreciated that tool specifically. And we've used a couple others like in the past. Chatra, maybe? Chatra. We tried the Facebook Messenger one for a while, but Did Messenger like is that. so hard to keep track of messages. So I don't like to go on Facebook. So yeah. I don't like to see <laughs> messages there. Yeah. So sales pages, you're going to have to likely include some more information and specifics about the offer and the pricing. You know, you can't, (laughs) obviously that's something that you have to share on a sales page. So sales page is going to be probably a little bit longer than your services page. And you want to overcome all those objections. I think a few key features of that, like an FAQ section, Mm -hmm. even though that can be an effective part of a services page as well. Or if you sell a course really outlining who it's for, what people are going to get out of it, maybe like outlining what is in each module or in each chapter so people know exactly what they're going to learn. Yep. Giving people a preview of it. I've seen that as, you know, I wouldn't say that that's a trend necessarily because I feel like people have done that for maybe a while, but I see more of that now. I think especially as more people invest in online courses, they want to make sure that it's something that's going to be, you know, worth it. Right. So that covers a lot of the core pages. I think Mm -hmm. a few that are worth mentioning though, your blog, um, in particular, I think to attract and nurture people. Mm-hmm. The blog, you know, the blog post, of course, I had mentioned being like sort of a top of funnel. Good way to generate awareness. 
podcast, good way to generate awareness, videos, uh, like vlogs and things like that. Right. But, you know, the interesting thing about content, right, is if you're taking a full funnel approach to content, that doesn't mean that maybe one blog post really does nurture somebody who's in that intent phase and gets them to purchase, right? So obviously, I'm not saying that these pages always fit neatly in one of those categories of the funnel. Mm -hmm. But in general, you know, I think creating blog content, and again, by blog content, I mean all the other things I just mentioned. Right. Really great way to build trust. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's one of the, I mean, all of what we're talking about right now is basically building enough trust to bridge, you know, what we've called on the on the podcast before the trust gap. Right. To move people to purchase. Like if I go to somebody's website and they have a blog and they're like three blog posts, I kind of question how long they've been in business, if they're still an active business. Yeah, especially if they especially if you're not familiar with them. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe you follow this person and then really they share a ton of social media content and you've built some trust there. And that puts you over the edge. Right. But it is, especially if you're a new business or not, I'm sorry, not a new business, but you're a new customer rather or a new potential customer, you know, that those are the things that sort of stop you like, ah, you know, I don't know this. They haven't published a post for like a year and a half, yeah, you know, or something like that. So those are the things where it may be in that case, it makes sense not to have a blog at all, you right. know, and that way people have to figure out kind of whether you're legit in other ways, like maybe it is that you love creating content on, on social media. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where you'd want people to be nurtured versus right. maybe a blog post or something like that. So anyways, then your contact uh, page. We have a great episode on contact pages. Great blog post as well. Davey's um, favorite. Is it still your favorite page? I think so. It's where the magic happens, as I say, <laughs> you know, and, you know, just being super focused on getting the inquiry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, typically all that involves is getting social proof, you know, relevant image and a contact form. Only the and, questions that you absolutely need. Yeah, not a super long contact form. Yeah. And of course, I mean, it, it varies. It depends on how qualified you want a lead to be. The more questions you ask, typically the higher the drop-off rate's going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one thing that I, uh, I guess two pages that I want to I want to just at least mention here. Mm-hmm. All right. One are portfolio pages, how it works pages, testimonials pages, you know, case studies pages, right? Some of these other ways that we build trust with people. Okay. Now, in general, we have typically said don't have a portfolio page, don't have a testimonial page. Correct. Why? Because there's not a lot of content through them. It's better to pepper those things throughout your website so people actually see them. Yeah, absolutely. So with a portfolio page, though, I think it does make sense if, you know, for instance, you're a photographer and you only shoot uh, family sessions, Mm -hmm. you know, because then you would have your family page or experience page and then you would have your portfolio page. Sometimes we'll keep it all on the same page, but we'll add a link to a portfolio in the main navigation that just brings you to that specific section of the family page. Sure. So it's all still together. Yeah. And, you know, I I do. I think that provides a nice cohesive look to it. And I would say even if you just have a portfolio page, not to have just a random smattering of photos or something like that, right? I would still have specific galleries that people can click into. It's like Davy and Chris's wedding, Joe and Emily's wedding. Yeah. And why we do that, right, is because each wedding or each portfolio is likely going to have its own aesthetic, Mm -hmm. even if you have an overall look and feel to your work, which hopefully you do. Right. You know, and it's okay. I think on your portfolio page, if you have a standalone portfolio page to include other information as well. I'm really not a fan of the testimonials or kind words page. 
<laughs> you know, like I, I just don't think of a lot of situations where I, I really feel like that's helpful. Mm-hmm. I think that if you're going to have a page like that, having a page that's more set up like a case study page, right. you know, where it feels like if you go there, you're not just, it's not just a page where people are like saying nice things about you, but it's a page that explains exactly what problem you solve for people mm-hmm. and then, you know, how it transformed their life, you know, like really focusing on that transformation, right. you know, and that story there that people can connect with. And it doesn't feel so much like a, you know, pat on the back page, right? right? So. I really don't like those pages. I think it could be something else like a case study page on the Till website. You know, we added a how it's work, how it works page, mm-hmm. and I remember talking through that with you. And you're like, all of this content is on your services pages, mm-hmm. and it's true. But the thing is, what we found is people would go to our services pages, and you know, so we do things like paid advertising and search engine optimization, right? And of course, on those pages, we talk about a lot of things that we talked about, or you know, you should have on your services page. Mm-hmm. But at the end. People would say, okay, this sounds good, paid advertising, I want to do it. Now, how does it work? And, and you know, at first, my, my, I'm thinking in my head, like, well, it's, it's, on the, <laughs> it's on the page, right? But people go from, you know, kind of wanting to learn something to then, how, okay, how does it work? What's the next step? That sort of thing, mm-hmm. right? Like, if I sign up now, what's, what's it going to look like in the next week, next and month? And I don't think all businesses need, need this. Yeah. If you're providing photography, I think that most people understand the basic concept of what a photographer sure. delivers. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think, but still, just another example of a service-based business, right? right. Whereas if we were creating a, a wedding photography website, this is something we probably wouldn't recommend or probably wouldn't put on the, on the site, right? right? But for the agency, it makes a lot of sense because mm-hmm. people want to kind of know, okay, I understand more about paid advertising now, but now what's it look like if I commit? You know, yeah. and so it answers that question. So you'll, what you'd find is a lot of content that's already on the services pages, but it just has maybe a different context to it. Right. You know, and so people are in a different frame of mind as they go about trying to answer that question now. Maybe before they schedule a discovery call with us, mm-hmm. or before they actually sign a contract. Right. Yeah. So, anyways, I hope that's helpful. Like I said. It's not as if we covered every possible page that could go on a website. No, we have a lot more pages than this on our website that are not linked to. Or yeah, just, yeah, we have case general. studies pages. We have a lookbook. You know, we, and every lead magnet has a page. Yeah, I mean, so there's many so things. many different things. But I think from a hopefully from a overview, mm-hmm. this is helpful for people as they kind of figure out and maybe put together their their own site map for uh, their website, or they plan content, or just want to feel like, all right, if I look at not a single page you know, but what's kind of the overall purpose here, Right. you know, and then something else we have talked about like cornerstone content and how that can be an effective part of your content strategy. Maybe so you should do a whole episode on that. I should. Yeah. <laughs> we already have hit, we're at 33 minutes, probably 30. We talked a lot about months of the year mm-hmm. and weather. So. People who live in California and Florida are like laughing at us right now. Yeah. They're like, why are you living out there? But anyways, I appreciate you taking the time to record. Well, I know you don't feel great, especially as the day goes on. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here chatting about websites. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. All right. Well, thanks. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Brands That Book Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review in iTunes. For show notes and other resources, head on over to deviancrista.com.